Hello and welcome to the Decking Awesome podcast. My name is Brian and I'm joined by the awesome Kira and Owen. Hello. Hi. Today we are taking on the topic of legacy games. Does adding in a campaign element to a board game make it better? Are some games more suited to legacy or campaign aspects? In the blue corner, happy with the mistakes she's made so far in her life, like yours truly, is Kira. Hi. Depressing start. <laughs> <laughs> and in the red corner, living each day as if it's his last and only, is own. Hey. Okay, so as usual, or for anyone who's joining us anew, each player custom person. Custom person. <laughs> custom person. That's what we're called. Custom person. <laughs> Our debatees <laughs> is going to get to uh, lay out their argument and then we'll have a bit of back and forth and see if we can come to an outright conclusion as to whether legacy games are a good thing or not. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Owen, why don't you kick us off if you're that enthusiastic against legacy games? I am against them. So it's it's not every game should be considered like legacy. So when we when we do board games development and we see kickstarters it's like should we add legacy to this component it seems like a big question that's asked a lot a lot of people try it a lot of board game design thing around it and there's some great legacy games out there but there are a lot of games out there that just have legacy tacked on and when you're considering that new players coming into the hobby is quite a big market i think they can be a little bit hesitant because legacy can almost ruin their engagement into the hobby it's too much for them to take on i find a lot of times but for experienced players, it can definitely add to things. It, it comes to up to the whole point of story versus player experience. And I find board games are more about player experience than they are about stories. You know, uh, the stories we tell one another as we play rather than the stories that, you know, these uh, people inside the games play. Whereas, you know, there, there is a middle ground of scenarios versus one shot campaigns. Whereas, uh, you know, like you want to have everything in a single board game night, I feel, than spread over 10. Well, you know. I feel like that's what we're going to be debating. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, some pretty good points there. What uh, what has you so in love with legacy games? Well, I love that they are a real immersive experience. So I think they bring an extra component and they're almost an evolution of games, especially narrative ones, where you can really feel like you're part of the storyline. I think Legacy brings that to a kind of in a greater element than in normal narrated board games. I think that having the mixed media means that storytellers can tell their story in loads of different ways. So like computer games have come from Pac-Man to like The Last of Us, they have evolved into having the capability of telling a really good story. Not to say that everyone wants them, but just that now there's a lot more that can be done. And I think that board games have also followed that path where when a storyteller has something really good that they want to say, and it's more complex, that they have legacy as a mechanic that they can add to tell that really more complicated story. The betrayals feel worse because you've become invested over several games and the wins feel better because it's taken, it's been a longer slog and you've had to get embedded into the story much more. And replaying the same game can just get a little bit boring. So replaying Catan, I love Catan and I love everything about it. But if I have to play the base game over and over again, it just gets, it kind of grates on me because you know, everyone has the same strategy. Everyone has the same way of playing. I'm still going to play the same way because I think it's the best way. I might learn a bit after a few times, but without new forces coming into play or expansions, I need more of a storyline to keep me, keep it coming back to the table. Okay, so some good points there, Kira. So what is, what would you say is your favorite legacy game or campaign game if you, if you want to throw them in there? 
Well, I really think Pandemic Legacy really brought some really unique elements to the, to uh, Legacy games. And I thought that that actually has been like, I still think a trailblazing Legacy game. I think that Pandemic is a game that we love. We bring to the table a lot. So actually the base game has a lot of replayability because, you know, the epidemics can arrive at any different time. But I think that the Legacy game really gives a lot more plot to what is happening. And like the pandemic, the base game had to be simplified. Legacy game doesn't have to be simplified. It can be overly complicated and there can be layers of stickers on the board that tell you eight different things to do. And because you learned the mechanics of Legacy the first or pandemic the first time around, having Legacy bring in more and more mechanics isn't actually too bad because you're pretty comfortable by the time they bring in the additional mechanics. So I think that it's quite smooth play. And as far as campaign board games go, I think Gloomhaven is a really good one. It, it's really too long in setup. The gameplay, though, is very enjoyable and um, very like Dungeons and Dragons style, but w- without as much writing, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So very good. Uh, very good arguments there. Owen, give us your favorite non-legacy game. I know this opens up a much wider category of games for you to choose from. Yeah. Um, All but- the other board games. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I, I agree. I agree that those uh, Pandemic Legacy and Gloomhaven are really good games. But yeah, there's better ones that are non-legacy games. <laughs> so I would say Pandemic, Fall of Rome. If I have to get like a com- competitor to Pandemic, we're sticking legacy. with Pandemic. There are, if for anyone listening to this and new, there are other games aside from different variations <laughs> of Pandemic out there. Yeah. There are tons of games. Ones with way more dice as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I had to get one to kind of compete against Gloomhaven, it would probably be Blood Rage. And the, the ideas behind those is. Although Legacy adds new elements and it adds new story and it's really, you know, compelling and interesting, I find that when Blood Rage hits the table, people have more fun and you, you see it more often, especially with new players and stuff like that. And, you know, Pandemic Fall of Rome could easily have become a Legacy game. You could easily brought in, like, the Fall of Rome. Yeah, loads of different, like, you know, missions and campaign elements and new mechanics. Uh, but because it's a single game night play, I think you get more enjoyment, enjoyment out of it. And it, 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 the mechanics don't wear. Because even in leg- legacy games, the legacy components, the legacy mechanics can still wear on you. And so if you play the game, you know, 16 times to get through a legacy campaign, they can kind of wear on you after a while. Right. What is your least liked legacy game? You know, you've you've bashed them now. What one really turned you off the legacy games? Oh, there's there's loads of uh, least likely ones. There's, you know, the Risk one was I, I wasn't, wasn't a huge fan of. And then, like, I, although I haven't played Seafall, I've heard I've heard some uh, bad things. I'm not here to say that Pandemic Legacy isn't a bad game and you shouldn't get it, because you should. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a great game. And as far as the Pandemic line, uh, lineup goes, it's great. But to say that Legacy trumps the other Pandemic games, like Fall of Rome, I wouldn't say so. Like, you know, obviously Pandemic Legacy brings in these kind of cool story elements, and it's not just like a generic Pandemic. But like Fall of Rome also changes it up and says here's what the actual pandemic is it's these random tribes trying to throw down rome you know you can you can have the better story components just done in a different way okay okay that's interesting i don't disagree i prefer blood rage to gloomhaven like (laughs) as far as short burst games go i think it's a lot more fun but um but there's a limit on what blood rage can tell you in in the story because it, it only is 
just that single situation. And there's a lot of myth, Norse myth and legend, and there's a lot on the cards that adds to the immersion factor. But it still doesn't carry on a long plot. So you can't get that immersed. We have uh, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which is around the same size box as Blood Rage. And, you know, one gives a great campaign story element and the other one doesn't. But I would say that what you get with the with the campaign style forces you to have like less creatures, less mechanics. Now Gloomhaven is cool because it has that card, so you have lots of different actions you can do. Uh, and Blood Rage has cards which are like the card drafting mechanic. So they're like victory points and stuff rather than actions you can do in a turn. So they do different things, but for if you had one individual game, you'd probably get more stuff in the Blood Rage. Whereas if you had multiple games, yeah, the Gloomhaven probably has those extra mechanics. But then you can't have new players, you can't mix it around. And you have to remember what the previous ones were. It's tricky. I think that we just play all of our legacy games with the same players. I actually think you could have other players. We just choose to... You could have you could half, swap them in and out. Halfway through like Pandemic City Legacy, you could definitely have new players come in. But it's I would prefer to just play a quick game of Pandemic instead. But I don't know. Okay, so we've we've kind of talked a bit about there about legacy and campaign games. I know we're lumping them together largely for this. Kira, can you kind of run us through the, the difference between them or what it is that's most enjoyable about them? So legacy board games usually have a more complex plot that travels from between games. So each each involves running a game over and over again and having different things happen each time. So in the in pandemic, the plot develops and different abilities and functions and features appear and disappear as the game goes on. So there's more carryover between game. Whereas campaign games like Gloomhaven or DC Rebirth, you kind of invest in the characters and your character is is traveling between each game you play and they maybe get some abilities or they maybe uh, gain some functions that they didn't have before but the overall arching plot doesn't develop that much each is like a you're more invested in the single character in the campaign and they move through different scenarios that you deal with and um, so uh, it's kind of a different way of doing it but in the campaign games there's maybe a city you have to save or a town to save or a person that's much more difficult to defeat that you have to save some people from. Uh, they're kind of one off. So you get a lot of plot in one bit, but it doesn't carry forward. And they're slightly different from things like scenario uh, based narrative, narrated games because like time stories and mansions of madness. That's a scenario based game and a different scenario happens each time. But your characters are just new people really every time. There's no carryover between them like a campaign would have. Why are they so fun? There's a lot more plot to them. There's a lot more depth to them than you might get, especially in the legacy games. And you can get more attached. So I guess there's more emotional involvement, potentially. Of course, you could just be like, I don't care. I don't mind that I've now horribly scarred and mauled my main character and I don't really care that they are significantly damaged. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. I, lo I love scenario-based games. Like, you have those one-shot kind of ideas, especially for, like, Mansions of Madness, where you get this really inclusive story and you get to go through the world. And it's also, I find, Mansions of Madness is great because you don't have to worry about your next game. You know, next time you meet up, uh, are you going to take out Mansions of Madness again? Yeah, probably. Even though you lost the last one, it's not going to affect the current game. Whereas, you know, you don't get that with Legacy in the fact that, like, if you lose the last one, it's going to affect the next one. And that's kind of a struggle when you're playing a Pandemic you see Legacy game. You're not just playing 
the board game night, you're thinking about the next one. And you're kind of struggling to go like, well, I can't do this. We were better off just losing right away so that we get a better advantage next go. And um, whereas you'd never think that in pandemic pandemic game, you just go like, oh, we're losing. Well, let's try our hardest to not lose. Okay, so sacrifice the you're you're against sacrificing the smaller battle in favor of the larger win. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I know it's just a new way of thinking. You got to think about multiple games in the future, whereas usually it's it's like one game, and it's a new style of thinking about uh, board games. It's it's definitely something that people think about in computer games and lots of other different types of media. But I'm not sure if it is better in board games. Because, you know, in legacy games, it, a lot of things can change quite quickly. What would be the downside to adding in legacy content to, you know, existing games or making them legacy type games? It depends on uh, whether the base game is good, I find. <laughs> so, like, uh, <laughs> legacy games, have there's a couple, of, there's a lot of them out there. And some of them are just legacy games with no base game. And some of them are like, you know, Risk or Pandemic Legacy, which are they have a, a really great base game and then they try to add on a legacy component. Uh, some work better than others. I definitely think having a solid base game and then adding the legacy components to it works a lot better. But that doesn't that shouldn't stop people from creating their own pure legacy game. Maybe we just haven't found the right one. You know, It's really tricky to tell. But when it comes to if you're coming up with a new game and you're not sure if it should be legacy or not, I would say don't. So like Fall of Rome is a great example, I think, of Legacy wasn't a huge thing when Fall of Rome came out. They could have easily made it a Legacy game. And I'm glad they didn't because I, I prefer the whole style of, of as being one single game. It's almost like having an entire Legacy game in one night. Now, there's no people, there's no like, you know, like you don't get to see Caesar and you don't get the, like, there's no cool backstories and there's no like adventures and stuff like that. But you can make that up as you're playing, you know. Tell a story while you play. Yeah. Uh, and then the other ones are, if you have to kind of compare two games, one with a campaign and one without, you know, there's one called Catacombs, which is where you're flicking discs as you're going down and you're dungeon crawling. So you're like a wizard and you're shooting fireballs and you're a ranger shooting arrows or you're like a barbarian shooting yourself at the skeletons. It's pretty cool. You're flicking things. And then I would compare that to other flick games where like Cube Quest, where you are flicking and there's no story at all. And things don't really make any sense at all, if you really think about them. And you can, Cube Quest, because they're flick games, they're just, you can't play enough of them. You can't play a lot of them over a while. Like, it just takes a lot out of you. Even though they're quick in 20-minute, 30-minute games, they can just take a lot out of you. So I, I would always see Cube Quest coming out way more than Catacombs, especially for people who don't really know what board games are or the industry and stuff like that. Cube Quest is a great one to just shatter all their beliefs of like, wait, hold on. This isn't even anything like Monopoly. <laughs> Whereas if you took out Catacombs and you showed it to a new player, I think they'd be like, what is, what this is, is going exactly on? exactly like Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just a little different thing, you know? But I think that's from an ease of use kind of introductory kind of point of view. Uh, it's just hard to introduce legacy components to people. Okay, so the, the legacy element alienates new gamers. I, I find it does, or at least they don't want to commit to multiple games, you know? Well, like as who who does who has the time it can be a big commitment I suppose yeah yeah it's very hard to put a game group do it because you have to really have a reliable meeting of a game group right yeah Steve doesn't come on a Thursday and it's out at the window kind of thing yeah so if you want to keep playing with the same people or you know that maybe that's just us maybe everyone else plays their legacy games with new friends <laughs> maybe we're just weirdos who stay in our room <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Kira, one of the big arguments that you often hear against legacy games is that you can't replay them. That's, you know, you play them through once and that's it. You've just got a pile of rubbish. What would you say against that? Well, I'd say that the point of the game isn't to replay them. So, like Pandemic has the base game where you can replay that, the plot carries over. So, you're not going to want to go back and do something earlier on in a game like the whole point is that it's a changing, evolving landscape. Having it that you can replay the old games really takes away from that in a legacy game. Because if you ca- if you could go back and change it and replay a different part of the game at a different month or in a, in a different one in a different scenario, you'll know what happens. So you'll know how to better adapt to it. So it'll be easy and you won't get invested in the same sort of things because you'll know what's coming and who's going to do what later on in the game. So I think that it's not really about the replayability. It's more like a book than it is like a board game in some elements. But of course, you can reread books. You can't really replay the gameplay because you know all the plot twists. I would have said it was more like a computer game. But yeah, it's the same principle, like Witcher. You can (laughs) replay Witcher, but you know know what's happening as as you play it. And you can choose how you're going to react to each scenario based on future knowledge of... Who's going to betray you? <laughs> so, Owen, you talked, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the storytelling side of legacy games. And you're more on the side of, you know, just tell your own story while you're playing the games. So would you say, you know, for those people who maybe can't think of a compelling backstory off the top of their head, that a legacy game is a good way to tell a story for you? I think no matter what type of person you are, if you play uh, certain types of games, you're going to, be telling a story. So like you take like Roll for the Galaxy or Blood Rage, no matter what you do, you're going to be building up your armies, you're going to be attacking in different ways depending on your own personality. And that's going to lead to crazy moments throughout the game. And those moments are really kind of personal when you know it's because of everything you did. You know, so like in Roll for the Galaxy, if you built up a lot of alien races that are like green and then you attack people and, and do stuff and you get lots of points, you know that's because of you. Whereas uh, for legacy games, if the story is being told to you and you're like a participant in it, it's less because of your decisions and more because of like you opened up box six and a cool, interesting thing happens. There are definitely two different ways of telling a story and it's tricky to know which one is better. Um, but I, I kind of like the personal experience of board games because they're much more like gripping and you remember them a lot better than the legacy things that happen. Um but I might be wrong. I don't know. I mean, we probably still talk about, you know, the big plot twists and that in games, which I can't talk about because obviously <laughs> they're just going to ruin legacy games for someone who hasn't got there yet. But there's always plot twists in legacy games. I don't think that's a spoiler. That's not a spoiler. No, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so legacy games, because they tend to essentially be 10 different games in one the cost of them is often prohibitive. So, you know, the likes of Gloomhaven, you know, if you get it for around 130 euro, that's a steal nearly. Kira, do you think that the cost of legacy games is inhibiting people playing them? Yeah, for some reason also legacy games or definitely like Gloomhaven and Mechs vs. Minions seem to involve a lot of components. <laughs> I don't know if, I, I think that you got to kind of separate those two things out. So like there's a lot of pieces. Are they all needed? Do you need to have miniatures? Can you just use tokens? That's a whole separate debate that happens. So a lot of the cost can come from those extra components. 
And I'm fairly sure it's a debate we've had. <laughs> Have we not covered that one? Did we have the minis versus tokens? Yeah. First? yeah. When you're developing your own game, yeah. Yeah. So so I think that there's just a lot of crossover in that in that conversation. Yes, it they are more expensive than the base game because you are adding in even in mechs versus minions, like when we're opening your case files, you get you have 10 case files or whatever it is, I don't know. And you have to print out booklets for each case and you have to print out, I think, cards. We got cards there recently and there's, there's little small components that you're adding to the game. So that does have a really big impact. But in Max vs. Minions, most of the work is in those millions of minions that are in the box. <laughs> so they're what's causing the problem rather than that. In Descent, they have minis as well. So like... I think it's quite hard to separate those two out. If they were all tokens, would it be that much more expensive to print a few extra cards and a few extra scenarios? Potentially not. I think that we might, there might just be a lot of overlap in that question. Are they necessarily, they're going to be a little bit more expensive, but, and there's a lot more work from a game developer point of view. So you can understand that they would be a little bit more expensive than a normal game because you have to think of how each scenario could end and then how it's going to impact the next scenario because you need a balancing mechanic always. Otherwise, you just lose and then you lose and lose and lose and no one's going to enjoy your game. So that extra work in having a balancing scenario that can compensate in the next game is going to mean that you do have to put in a bit more work and it is going to be a little bit more expensive. But I think the over 100 euro pieces are over 100 euro games. I think that some of that comes from the fact that they're minis. All minis. <laughs> like it, it does. It does tend to come to like go big or go home when you're thinking about this legacy stuff and campaigns. Of like you know you're do, doing a lot of game development for like creating a story. There's like writers involved. There's like overarching story, and there's lots of different places you can go. And like Kira said, there's balancing mechanics to get it all working well together. And I'm sure as a game designer, you're probably thinking, well, to cover like make it better I can I should add in more components make it a bigger game and then that will convince more people especially on Kickstarter and stuff like that to crowdfund and get more value there are games like Sherlock Holmes Detective Agency which although isn't the legacy or campaign game it is a game that changes and evolves with an overarching story as you play and that was cheap that was very cheap a lot of people love that game so it doesn't have to be expensive I think it's just the climate we're in at the moment means it tends to be but yeah you can you can Although Gloomhaven is probably like, it will always be expensive. <laughs> but you can make a smaller Gloomhaven, maybe. <laughs> Print and play version of Gloomhaven. Jeez, what a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoy like, especially narrative scenario based games where like Sherlock Holmes and time stories, even I'm mixed on time stories, but uh, uh, definitely Sherlock Holmes. I love that, that you get a lot of narrative and it's literally just sheets of paper. Very recyclable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So even despite the cost of the games, the likes of Pandemic Legacy and Gloomhaven are absolutely enormous, enormous markets. Like sometimes it's hard to even get your hands on them because they just sold out. Like I think Gloomhaven's on what it's fifth or sixth print at this stage. And they're doing thousands and thousands. Oh, and does this not prove that like legacy games are popular? They're here to stay. Uh, yes, I think it, I think it does. Okay, point uh, here. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're, a lot of people are confused as whether legacy is going to stay around in the board game industry, and it definitely will be. We're going to see legacy games keep coming out because they're a really in, interesting mechanic and people like them. But it's not all board gamers like them. That's the problem. So there's like it's it hits a, a certain niche of people who are willing to spend like you know like Gloomhaven 130 euro on 
a lot of different campaign options. And if you are going to play all those games, it works out at great value. But if you wanted a quick game that was similar in scope to Gloomhaven, but you weren't going to play like 30, 40 games, then there are other options available that aren't legacy games. So I don't think it's going to take over the market. Problem is it is on the higher end of the costs of board games because of all that additional work you need to do. So you will see it still bringing in the big books on Kickstarter. But if you want to make the big books and you want to make a game that makes like a lot of people happy, it doesn't have to cost as much. It doesn't have to include legacy and people will still love it just as much. It's not it's not a mandatory mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we're seeing so many more of them crop yeah. up, more and more games becoming legacy versions. So Kira, is there any type of game that you would like to see legacyized? <laughs> That's a word. You can look it up. So I think games like Blood Rage that I already really enjoy as standalone games. I think there's a lot more uh, history there that I'd love to explore. There's no need for them to have more minis. I think if they just release like some sort of expansion or some sort of ability to legacyize it <laughs> without adding to too much to the cost. I think I'd still love to find out more about like, especially there's so many monsters in it and things like that. You know, there's trolls and there's krakens and just really interesting historical, well, <laughs> history myth. It's a pity we let the Kraken go extinct. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> I just think that games that already have really strong like teams just have a lot more to develop in that space. I, I'm okay with like scenarios of Blood Rage, maybe of having like maybe a new map that the people can then explore. And, you know, even like, you know, you, you, you pick a specific character like Tor and you learn a bit more about Tor, although it probably would feel a little bit like Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you could definitely have those kind of things. But a legacy component, I don't know, it would, it would jack up the price a lot more and it'd be difficult because you wouldn't end up, it wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be an expansion to it you'd end up having to make a separate game like Pandemic Legacy. So you're going to see a lot more minis. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot more cost. Yeah. Owen, is there any games that you would like to see a standalone version of that, that is currently a legacy game? That is a tricky one. Like Gloomhaven is a cool game. Um, and to have a standalone version of that might be an interesting idea. I feel like the one we mentioned before, The Jaws of the Lion, is a great idea of making a smaller version of the campaign game Gloomhaven. But yeah, I think the best legacy games at the moment already have standalone version games. So like Pandemic and Risk. And so you already have those and they're way cheaper than the legacy versions. So I think you're you're good to go already. Okay, cool. So <laughs> if you like a legacy game, chances are there's a standalone version of it out there. <laughs> okay. I mean, we have to we have to talk about like the destruction of the pieces and the cards. Like this is this is one that breaks my heart every time we have to do it where it's just like tear up this card and it's just like oh I don't want to I spent so much on this game what if I need this later does it not feel like a crime tearing up the cards or wrecking the pieces or just throwing stuff in the bin Kira at the very start we didn't I don't know if you remember but we just kept everything aside in little piles of not torn up pieces <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's no way to go back and replay it or give it to somebody else. I just think the, the gameplay is too complex. Like the whole point of it being a legacy game is that it is complicated. You are changing the rules as you go. You're adding them to the rule book or you're uh, adding them to cards that change how it works. So I think it's a, it's a fun, different mechanic you have to see it as rather than a destruction of property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I mean... 
we're just enjoying the wanton destruction of of the games. That's I would I would say when you're playing a legacy game though, whenever you have to destroy something, you do add in more stuff. So as you're playing, you're adding in more and more components, which I think is what drives a lot of the appeal of legacy games. But they're never really like brand new mechanics. They're always like additions to like older ones, especially for the pandemic legacy ones. Each legacy season will tend to have a couple of new mechanics brought in. But instead of it like new mechanics being brought in each month as you play, it's more like they add all the new mechanics in in the first month and they kind of build upon them and give you more components related to those mechanics. So yeah, I struggle. I struggle to know if it's good enough to rip up things. Um, It doesn't feel right, but it works. Yeah. Own, what would you, you know, what about like a kind of replayable legacy game where, you know, you've got a base game, you're still wrecking your cards, you're still playing through your scenarios and your different games and versions of it and stuff. But once you get to the end that you still have base components, but you can just buy another kind of top up box that essentially gives you another legacy game, but just the extra pieces you need to play with all the base stuff. Yeah, I think I think most legacy games allow that and uh, you can check online for like different instructions on how to do it. But if you take Pandemic Legacy, like say season one, it's pretty easy. You just pretty much download the rules online and then start playing with the board you have. The only difference is you're going to see a lot of things on your board with like stickers on it. And you're just going to have to disregard all those (laughs) (laughs) and just play it normally. So it's a bit of a, like the base game always has less mechanics, but it's kind of more competitive. So like, you know, usually in legacy games, you have all sorts of crazy abilities and all sorts of like, they all combine in different ways. Whereas in base games, it's always like, you only really have like one or two abilities and you got to depend on those a lot. So yeah, it's pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So maybe there's room out there for a game like that. I think does time stories do that? Does time stories have a base game when you buy? It's a narrative story. So that's exactly what it does. It has a base game, all the components you get with your first one, and then you do each scenario, but that's because it resets. There's no order to them. I feel like there's some components. We've never played any scenario that has anything that carries over. So I don't know that there is any, but there was some weird components that we never really got to use. But I think they're in different expansions. And we've played a few of the expansions, but I don't think we've played any of the, I think some of the better rated expansions are usually the ones without using those extra weird components. So actually I think they gave you more components than you needed. They kind of must have guessed what they thought you'd need in the expansions. Well, if anyone out there in podcast land uh, knows of any games like this, uh, can you let us know, please? Because we'd actually be really keen to try them. What about the environmental side of things, Kira? You know, realistically, you're spending 130 euro on thousands of components, stickers, boards, tokens, the like, and then you're finished with this. And as you said yourself, you can't pass it on to anyone else. You can't replay it. You just throw that in the bin. I think the minis come into play a lot here. So, um, we can you can definitely recycle a lot of the components. So definitely the paper and the cards and the board. The little plastic bags are not recyclable. So the less they're used in uh, campaign games and legacy games, the better. And hard plastic, rigid plastic is recyclable in Ireland. So I don't know what it's like anywhere else in the world. It depends on how environmentally friendly the game was to begin with. But I guess with legacy games, we're more likely to play it 12 or 24 times in a row or 10 times in a row and repeatedly play each scenario a few times. Whereas if you take something like Catan or games that we like or Cold Express, which we really enjoy, sometimes we we just won't play those games after 10 or 12 times because we've gotten so used to the 
used to it, except if we buy an expansion or something like that. So I don't know that you get that much more out of normal games if you just enjoy a normal game rather than like love, love it, you know, like want to play it every single time. It's tricky, right? Because if you buy a normal game, normal board game, like we've got loads of normal board games that we haven't even opened and play, or played. We played maybe once or twice. Mostly the games I buy. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> lazy, I'm lazy about reading rules. <laughs> really lazy about reading. <laughs> so it's okay. tricky, right? Yeah. When it comes to recycling and stuff, like everyone just puts their board games in the attic anyway. They don't like throw them out. But it's, I recycled our old pandemics. Oh yeah? Yeah. Oh. I, I broke After up all the components. them for components. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I stripped them for components because I wanted the cubes <laughs> and the various other things that come in Legacy. And then I recycled all the cards and all <laughs> But the thing is, when you play like a Legacy game, you're playing a Legacy game like over and over again and you're, you're getting all your enjoyment out of it once. All right. Whereas like sometimes, obviously, like if I want to play board games, I'll just play a random board game. But sometimes I have a fix of like, I want to like play Blood Rage. And then I'll play Blood Rage, you know, whereas you can't do that. If you want to play P- Pandemic Legacy, you can't. You already, you already had your fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, unless you buy one of the other two versions of Pandemic That's Legacy. That's true. There's a lot of Pandemic <laughs> Legacies. <laughs> but uh, like, I mean, that is a very good point. You know, with Legacy games, you've got 10, 15, 20 more, you know, different plays of it. And each time is a little bit different. So it makes you want to keep coming back and playing more and playing it again. Like, I mean... Are there really many other games that come to the table that often, like the standalone games? Yeah, it's it's really tough to say, right? Because you get so much more of use out of a legacy game straight away because you kind of stop playing all other board games, all right? Especially with that group that you're playing the Pandemic Legacy one. If they meet up, they're not going to be like, oh, let's play Roll for the Galaxy. They're like, no, we're halfway through a legacy <laughs> game. We need to finish this, right? Or they will just stop playing it uh, and then that's it. It's like one or the other. Whereas with uh, normal board games, you just have them on your shelf and it's like, you know, you can have a board game night and not really know what to play. And so there's always a chance that, you know, Roll for the Galaxy comes out onto the table and you don't get that with Legacy. So I think they both have their pros and cons. Uh, One's better for like, you know, spontaneous board games and you cannot play spontaneous board games with Legacy, really. So Uh, if you're afraid of commitments, Legacy (laughs) games may not be for you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like that you've picked a game for comparison that has millions of dice. Plastic, hard plastic dice. Because you play a lot of Legacy games, you're like, where's all the dice? (laughs) (laughs) I can get into board games to not roll dice. (laughs) I feel like we must have touched on Owen's obsession with dice. We have. We had had that dice versus deck. Almost almost every podcast. Almost every podcast. It's like an addiction. We're trying to get him help. Don't get me wrong. If there was a Legacy game that had a lot of dice, you know, maybe that would bring me in. Like Legacy Dice Forge? That'd be cool. Well, Rick, Risk Legacy has, has some dice, yeah. You could get like little chests and you could like swap out dice faces and then you could keep the dice faces in a chest between games if you have like some sort of storage mechanic. Yeah, There's a lot of the uh, kind of fantasy campaign games like Descent have dice. Not enough for, for my liking though. No, that's true. <laughs> it's only like two or three, you know? Owen's, Owen's obsession with dice has hurt a lot of us, but we're learning to roll with it. Oh, <laughs> no. Only you laugh at that. <laughs> and everyone listening to the podcast. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> okay, so before I make any more puns, let's quickly move to closing statements. Kira, anything else to wrap up, to add, to solidify your argument on legacy games? 
I know I focused a lot on narrative style games or the the immersive um, gameplay, but I think that legacy games can also bring a lot of mechanics that you complexity to mechanics that you can't have in a normal game. In a campaign game, you can give people more features, more complicated cards that you can't give them at the start. So there's a sense of progression that you really can't get in other ways or that's more similar to computer games in in that you're kind of a bit more invested in the plot than you would be. So I think that it just brings a lot more options to your gameplay. I don't think it's a be all and end all of games, but I do think that there's just stuff that you can't replicate in a normal board game that you could replicate in a, in a legacy game. Okay. Okay. Some good, solid closing points there. Owen, anything to try and convince people away from parting with our hard-earned cash? Well, yeah. First, I'm going to ruin my own argument and then I'll fix it. Good start. <laughs> good start. Um, we'll edit it so that it just ruins the argument. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're never going to see legacy games go away and we're going to see some great legacy games come out onto the market. I'm sure board game designers listening to this podcast will probably be developing their own legacy games as we speak. There's going to be loads. I don't think it'll take over the market fully, but there's definitely going to be options. And I do think we'll still see some board games be ruined by their want to add legacy to a game where they should be like maybe scenarios instead, or even just a base game with no sort of story involved. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being abstract, you know? I think the, the thing to focus on is we just want good board games and we don't want the moon. We just want kind of like really enjoyable experiences from our games. So the player experience to me is king. And if you want to tell a really good story, you can maybe write a book. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a thing that people always say in D&D as well. You know, write a book if you you know if you're doing a, a D&D adventure for someone. It's so complicated. Yeah, just write a book. <laughs> <laughs> the same could be said kind of coming into this with legacy games in the fact that, you know, people are trying to write compelling stories rather than write compelling game mechanics. And it all starts there with the game mechanics. And if you don't need legacy, take it out. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this debate. Thank you, Owen and Kira. Has your opinion changed on legacy games after listening to this? Are you now never going to pick up a legacy game again? Are you dying to go down and play one now? Are you just itching to find friends who are free 24 times over the next few months let us know uh, reach out to us on social media if you've enjoyed this podcast please share it we've been decking awesome games and thanks for listening see you later bye bye, bye.